Welcome to Clock Out, the Vicarious Life Podcast. This is for the mavericks in the world who are on a mission to obtain freedom. What is freedom? We're about to find out. I'm your host, Tracy Miller, a free-spirited entrepreneur who has been chasing freedom her entire life. Beside me is my co-host, Jackie Asel, the anchor who keeps me grounded. Thanks for joining us. Hello, and welcome back to the next episode of Clock Out the Vicarious Life. I am coming at you live today from Red Lodge, Montana, with the beautiful, talented Colleen Wood, producing branch manager of the Wood team at Hometown Lenders. Woohoo! Woo woo! Here we are, take two. Yeah. And we are so lucky to be doing take two because although I think that our last interview was probably the most kick-ass interview ever, yeah. uh, the universe said we could do better. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. during that interview, we made a, I made a promise that I would come to your new ranch. What is that squeaking sound? Criminy. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah. I don't know what was squeaking. But uh, anyway, uh, the universe made a promise. Uh, I made a promise to you that I would come down to your new ranch and check out your uh, beautiful pad. And here we are. And I'm making right on that promise with the second yeah, interview. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you're here. Yes. I feel like I'm the one that always does all the traveling. So it's so nice to have a familiar face in my living room. I know. I know. And you should be so proud to show this off. I mean, mm. to give the audience a little bit of an idea of what I'm looking at, I'm looking out the window, big, beautiful windows. I'm sitting in this classic farmhouse, charming, adorable little classic house, looking out at the... Beartooth Mountains. Beartooth Mountains. Yeah. Um, I have backpacked in those, yeah. but to look at them from here is a completely different experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what brought you, we'll come back to your, your credentials and all the cool stuff, but what brought you to Red Lodge? You know, um, we're born and raised in uh, Livingston, Montana. My, uh, my son is actually sixth generation Park County, Montana. Um, so we did not have any intentions of going anywhere. But, you know, my friend, uh, the wind blows a lot in Livingston. It and sure does. It's kind of awful. And so we always said, if we ever go anywhere else, we're going to go somewhere that the wind doesn't blow. Right. Which is we just always laugh because, you know, there's lots of windy places in Montana. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, we, something about Red Lodge just kept drawing us and we just kept coming here. And there's a, there's a guy from, um, from Cody, Wyoming, that is uh, a songwriter and he's a phenomenal performer and his name is Kalen Beasley. And he used to come to Red Lodge all the time and come and perform at the Pollard. And I just loved his music. And we happened, well, we happened to be in Red Lodge and got introduced to Kalen in Red Lodge and, and just kept coming back for his music and just really, really loved his music and loved the Pollard and loved the dancing. And, and we would just come down for the day and say, well, we'll just go for the day. And then pretty soon we were trying to find a hotel room and, and cause we, we just loved it here. So I don't know something about Red Lodge just drew us and we are so grateful to be here um you know like you and I have talked about before our property in in Livingston I mean it had been uh it well it turned out to be an amazing real estate investment mm -hmm. and you know we had bought it a lot of years ago for like $260,000 and <laughs> it's comical and we're able to quadruple that value um and and so we, you know, frankly, just the payment on it was just not 
challenging to me. And I have to have a reason every day to get up and run, you know, oh, like, it's like the payment, wait a minute, the oh. payment <laughs> on it. It's just, it just was so cheap. Sure. You know, when life is just easy, yeah, life was very easy there. And, and we knew that if we wanted to do something else that it needed to be bigger and uh, I need it. I need a reason to get up and put my pants on every day. I hear you. We are barely wearing pants today. Barely. Um, just for the audience to know, <laughs> we are here cozied up yeah. in sweats, yoga yeah. pants, cups of coffee in our hand, which I'm terrified I'm going to spill on this new Mac that I yeah. have here. Um, and yeah, today is one of those days that you don't have to get up and run a million miles an hour and you're getting yeah. to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Yes. And I get to day. too. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting to have a good day. Yeah. It's so beautiful outside yet. It's so cold. So we're just enjoying it on the inside. Yes. And yeah, we've been sitting here for hours just talking about life and then we realized we're like crap we should hit record I think we just we did this, should do this. <laughs> interview and we haven't recorded anything so yeah. um okay so Colleen we're, we're gonna come back you you are also a ranch wife which we just semi-covered you're a yeah. boy mom and you're 100% an ass kicker of life but yeah. then you're also a coach an aka coolness accelerator as yeah. your peers and clients call yeah, you yeah that's what my title says yes yes <laughs> and how I know you is as the producing branch manager manager of um, the, uh, the wood team with hometown lenders, uh-huh. where all do you serve and what does that mean for listeners out there? Like what services yeah. do you provide and where to? Yeah. So, um, I have a 100% female team, not by design, but I absolutely love that. Um, I've tried out some guys just didn't work out. They didn't cut the mustard. Sorry guys. Um, <laughs> just love our female team. Anybody that says, Oh God, working with a bunch of women, uh, it's just totally contrary. You just got to have the right women there. Sure. Um, love, love, love my team. Um, so we do all things residential mortgage financing, uh, in Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Oregon, uh, North Dakota, uh, Arizona, obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, for all of our snowbirds. That's going to be me. Yep. It's going to be you. Um, Minnesota, uh, Missouri and Arkansas. So yeah. yeah. Random. Did you, I mean, do you get licensed in these? I mean, I know you have to be licensed, but like, how do you randomly choose Arkansas? Well, it's because I had an employee that lived there. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And so when you're an employee on my team, you know, part of your job is helping us to fill the bucket, you know, and, and everyone that's in your circle, you know, we, we call, I call on my team members to help us, you know, bring in more folks and we want to help more families. And so we want all of their friends, family and and, uh, people that are in their world to be working with us as well. So um, when I had employees in Missouri and Arkansas, that made sense. And of course, Angel, my operations manager, she's very famous. Everyone knows Angel. Yes. Um, uh, she's in Minnesota. And uh, so we obviously wanted her circle. And of course, my twin sisters in Minnesota as well. Okay. So, yeah, well, yeah. That makes sense. That yeah. makes total sense. Um, I would like to come back to kind of where, you know, let's start there. How did you get into mortgage lending? Because I don't know anybody that grew up and writing on their <laughs> their uh, school chalkboard when I grow up I'm no. going to be a mortgage lender how does this happen yeah well mortgage lending is one of those careers that all of us that are in the industry tend to just fall in and and then once we get here we realize just how blessed we were to fall in it Same. Yeah. so you know it's um I just gave myself goosebumps Ooh. um because it has been such a blessing in my life um 
So I was one of those high school students that did all the AP classes and did all the high level stuff just so that I could be a phenomenal college entrant. Um, and, uh, so I got a full ride scholarship out of high school to go to, uh, to nursing school, well, to pharmacy school. Um, I did not know that. I, yeah, I just learned yeah. something new about you. I went to school on a full ride scholarship in pharmacy at U of M. Um, so, I went to U of M and uh, found out real quickly, well, a lot of things had happened. You know, life stacks up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was there. Um, well, my twin sister was there as well, but I had had a major falling out with my, with my, with my dad and at the time. And so, um, I didn't, the only support that I had at school was my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband and his family. And so I was very, very alone in, in Missoula and, um, thought I was told about this rodeo team that was in Missoula. That was really fantastic. I don't know where they kept those people because they, they were, they were there they were riding unicorns they were um (laughs) i was the only one there um in what we call shit kickers in the carhartt um you know there was nobody else there with shit kickers in the carhartt so i don't know i i felt like i got dropped on the onto mars but i went to school and um got my sanity by i worked for uh, sales and service, you know, I, um, had done FFA sales and service, you know, and so I did sales and service at, um, quality supply, (laughs) which actually really was my sanity because they were farmers and ranchers and horse people and people that were, those were my, those are my kind of people. And, um, so that's where I got my sanity. And then I was always running down the interstate to go to, um, to see Zane, my husband, now husband. husband, And, um, and so after a year of that, foolishness, um, I decided to transfer to go to, uh, MSU and I decided against pharmacy because I figured out that pharmacy was just glorified retail and that the, yeah. the pharmacists that make the most money are the ones that work at Walmart and Safeway. And I did not want to work at Walmart or Safeway. Sure. And I didn't want to tell little old ladies that they couldn't have their pills. So yeah, it's just, it just didn't feel good to me. Glorified retail. Um, it just, it, it didn't work out to me for me. So I said, well, I still want to stay in the medical field. And, and so I, and I wanted to be more hands-on with people. So I changed to nursing, went to MSU, was commuting from Livingston to Bozeman, going to school in Bozeman and, um, doing, was working 12 hour night shifts and then going to school during the day. And, um, I was also giving horseback riding lessons to, uh, some foster care kids and, Honestly, I was just miserable. I was miserable in school and was so tired of making no money. Yeah. Like no money. You can't, it's, I don't know how kids can possibly go to school full time, work full time and, and do their work and sleep sometime in between. Yeah. And um, then they, some of them party. Uh, yeah. Where I don't know. I'm like, where's from? that money come from? <laughs> um, I had no money. I was so, I was so behind on everything and, um, I was just frustrated. And when I had left high school, Zane, um, was, he was going to start a plumbing apprenticeship and mm. you and I were both raised that if you didn't go to college, you were a loser. Yeah. And you were going to fail in life. And so he and I were dating at the time and I was like, I almost broke up with him because I thought you're going to be a loser if you don't go to college. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be a plumber. That is, by the way, sidetrack on that. That is Mm -hmm. the people that I tell my daughter. Like I actually just, I was at uh, the fights in Livingston. Crazy. 
just last weekend, and this nice lady was telling me that her son is in the apprenticeship <laughs> apprenticeship school for yeah. to be a plumber. And I was like, ooh, we should hook our kids up because my daughter, <laughs> I want my daughter to yeah. marry an electrician or a plumber or Absolutely. whatever. Because, you know, times are maybe changing a little, or yeah. maybe we just have our heads on straight. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Sorry. It's... I don't see things the same way as the world. So I no, absolutely. carry on. Let's hear. Yeah. So I, uh, stayed, stayed connected to the, to the, to the guy that was an idiot that's, st- that went to, um, to be a plumber. Um, and, uh, he on his $8 an hour apprenticeship wage was paying all of our bills. And oh, wow. I, um, was really tired of being a loser. Like I was the loser. You were. And, and so, um, I was doing the teaching horseback riding lessons and I would come home from them and just bubbling about these kids and these horses. And, and I was, that was where I was finding my happiness. And then one day my, my now husband said, um, you know, I don't really know what you're doing because you're absolutely miserable going to school. This is a very long story. I'm going to shorten it up here. Um, very, I don't know why you're doing going to school when you're so happy doing this horseback riding lessons and you're miserable at school and you're miserable at the hospital. I was working the med surge floor all night long and there's just a lot of crazy stuff that happens on the med surge floor. And, um, you know, a lot of people that believe it or not, do not want to leave. And that just boggled my mind. I um, wanted to be an OB nurse and I was told in the state of Montana that you couldn't just be an OB nurse. I liked those mamas and their babies and I liked that they wanted to leave. Um, (laughs) A lot of people, they get pieces and parts fixed on them, uh, don't want to leave. They'd rather just lay there. So that's just really, it was very depressing. And um, I, I just, once he said that, I just couldn't go back to school. So I dropped out of school. And, um, with my full ride scholarship. Uh, so that doesn't even matter if you have full ride scholarship, if you're not, if your heart's not into it. And I went to work for a bank, um, on the teller line. Um, I was good at that. And I got, uh, well, while I was in the bank, there were loan officers that worked for the bank and you could tell that they were the ones that were making the money. You could tell that they were the ones that were happy. They were the ones, they were the big kids on campus. And here I was, I was very happy as a, as a bank teller, I was happy getting paid. Yeah, that's and a stepping stone. Though. Yeah. It's an entryway. It was something. an entryway and it allowed me a face to face view with an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I just, I saw that opportunity and I said, I want that. And so I was trying in the bank to become a loan processor, um, which is a great start into the industry. Um, and then Cindy Riggler, um, from Western Home Mortgage in Livingston, uh, literally bravely, honestly, called me at the bank. <laughs> and she's she's not scared. She called me at the bank, and I took the phone call, and she asked me to come and interview with her to be her admin assistant for her mortgage company, and I did, and we hit it off right away, and I started working for Cindy as her admin, and I was there for a long time, about seven years, I think. And, uh, I worked my way up from admin, uh, just scheduling her appointments, managing, you know, customer service again. Mm -hmm. Um, and then became a processor for her and then a loan partner for her and then a licensed loan partner because the laws had changed and the things that we were doing needed, we required that we be licensed. Mm -hmm. And, um, she, everything that I know, I learned from that woman. And she is the most amazing, incredible human being. And she gave me a career that no college education could have ever given me. Mm -hmm. And the 
ability to make money in mortgage is so much better than a pharmacist right? and uh, so much less. I mean, I, I can't even imagine encouraging a kid at this point to go to college to be a pharmacist or be a nurse unless you had a real heart for that particular kind of work because uh, there's so much more opportunity in so many other industries that don't require to have a college degree. So yeah. very long story short, but... Um, uh, I think, th- but there's some yeah. nuggets in there. I mean, I think, well, so first of all, that there is no one path no. for anyone. Yeah. There's not, college is not the only way to make money. Uh, and sometimes I think the most important little nugget out of that is that sometimes it takes finding out what you don't want to do yeah, to figure out what you really do want to do. Cause yeah. I, I mean, same, I know so many people that you grow up your whole life thinking that you want to do, you know, right. in, insert whatever. And then, you know, you, you attach to that. And like, I think you're brave for letting go of that. Cause how many people do we know that, yeah. well, I started school, I've got to finish it. Or my mom wants me to finish college or, yeah. you know, I don't want to let people down or I don't want people to think that I failed at pharmacy school, whatever, all of the different things that we can tell ourselves and the reasons why I think it takes bravery to just say, you know, for me, this isn't, this Doesn't isn't work. the right path. And then it's funny how the universe just kind of lays the, op- lays the path for you to go mm-hmm. elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And what a gift, what a, uh, what a gift to have that foresight because how many of our clients, your mm-hmm. clients, my clients, do we know that are saddled with so much debt and they never use their college degree. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That was, that was me until I went to real estate yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, I had a hundred, I talk about this all the time. I had a hundred thousand dollars in student loans yeah. and the tiny bit that the military paid off the rest I was stuck with. And had I not gone elsewhere, yeah. I would still be paying. I mean, it was two years ago. I finally wrote a check and wrote off my last 25,000 that I owed and was like, oh, right. I'm done with this. I couldn't yeah. have done that. I would have had that debt for 30 years, 40 years. Yeah. Otherwise. Yeah. And it's so debilitating for people wanting to buy a home. Mm, we see it all the time. Every day. I truck mean, where payments and college truck loans. payments, fancy truck payments, mm-hmm. fancy big truck trucks. payments, big trucks, big cars, <laughs> big, big, all fancy things. Yeah. 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 So an, another little, another little nugget that I heard in there was your, uh, your gratitude to your mentor that taught yeah. you the road. And I think that's something that you and I have in, in common is our joy of mentorship yeah. for others. Yeah. You've built an amazing team. Yes. Female, you know, predominantly just because that ha- tends to be who, yep. who you've meshed with or whatever. It's not intentional. Like you said, mine the same. I've got a couple of rock star guys on my team now that I hope never go anywhere because they're right. amazing. Um, but tell me about your mentorship in your role right now. Who's on your team? Um, what do you guys do? Tell me about your culture. What have you created? Yeah. Well, because I was so grateful to what Cindy had given me, given me a career. And, and you know, when I left Cindy's office, it was because she was, she was going to retire. And I did not want to go and compete with, with her. She wasn't yet going to retire, and I didn't want to go compete with her. So I um, went, changed markets, and that's mm-hmm. why I went into Bozeman, um, which is the bigger market, and I wasn't going to be taking from her. Um, that felt like the right thing to do. Sure. Um, and in doing that, you know, I started working for a bank, 
and um, very quickly determined that I was going to be limited on the amount of volume that I could do just simply because of the amount of work that I was doing. I had to do all of the contact with all, with the clients, everything. Um, I was going to be limited at about four units a month mm. um, is about all that a loan officer can do on their own. And so I knew that I need help. And at the bank, um, the mentality is you're the loan officer, you make the most money, so you do the majority of the work. Mm-hmm. And, and so I knew at that time that wasn't going to work out. Um, started talking with Carl White, who's my, who's my guru and, and coach, um, and started talking about what it would look like to expand my team. And it became very clear that that wasn't going to happen in the bank. And so I did move to a different mortgage company. And it's with that mortgage company that I was able to grow my team. And um, I very passionately wanted to do for other women what Cindy had done for me, which was to give this career to other women. Right. And women that, you know, oh my gosh, (laughs) like women that just like me had no idea the opportunity that was available to them and with this, with this industry. And so I would, you know, we, we laugh about it, but it's like, literally I would hire people that couldn't spell mortgage and (laughs) they would start at my front desk. Just Mm -hmm. like I started with Cindy, start at my front desk and they would start by answering my phone and scheduling my appointments and manage, you know, greeting people and making copies and scanning. And like they got a spoon fed, opportunity to learn and then you know when they would graduate from being an admin person they would kind of decide as to whether or not they wanted to go into sales or if they wanted to go in more of the back-end operations type stuff what was more attractive to you because then that would kind of let me know if I wanted to put them in like a junior processing role or if I wanted to put them in like a junior loan partner role um, so it was sales or ops and gosh I mean uh, it's, it sounds probably worse than it is, but I've probably had 25 people go through my team wow. and there's good and bad things about that, but it was every ounce of it was with the very best of intention. And, and I, you know, the day that, that they started every single one of them was super passionate about doing it. And we were very excited about the opportunity. And there's lots of people that are out there in this industry now that are because they started at my front desk. Yeah. And that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, giving them the opportunity, like you said, to just to try it out because it's not going to be for everybody, but for those that it's a good fit for and the ability to be, like you said, on the the back end, I think of like the less people oriented, more number people that love detail. Yeah. Details. Yeah. Or you can be on the front end with wanting to get out there and talk Mm -hmm. about the industry and get clients. So what a great opportunity presented to others to yeah. Try the industry out. Yeah. We just created a path, um, that was going to be a, a training path on either direction. And, and it was, it was pretty amazing. And, uh, it was amazing too, because we were coming into 2020. Um, we were coming into all the things that happened with COVID. I had a pretty big team mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and, uh, and we instantly had to go into working remotely, mm-hmm. um, which was so impressive for my girls because it was like, well, we have to shut down. And so the only way that we can stay, um, moving forward is to 
everybody pack up your stuff and you know, you have till the rest, till the end of the day to get yourself set up and, and eight o'clock we need to be up and running. So, and at eight o'clock, everybody was up and running and we did COVID that way. It was, it was amazing because, you know, then at that point the fed dropped, uh, the fed rate to 0%, which crazy, which was crazy. But, um, then the refinance craziness started. Oh my gosh. And here we were working from, from home and not being able to leave our houses, but we were closing more loans than we've ever closed in our lives. And so I very quickly had to expand, um, expand, teach, train, um, look at other employees in other markets. That's why I have, you know, licenses in all these different other crazy states. I've had employees in lots and lots of different states, um, that would come in and just help us with volume. And so we had to adapt very quickly because we had set a precedence of what our turn time is and how we take care of our clients. And we could not drop the ball because we've always been a realtor focused company. We were not a refinance company. Um, We still had to maintain the relationships and the turn times and the expectations that we had set with our realtors. And then as, as of course, as we continue to do that and other mortgage companies were focusing on the low hanging fruit of the refinances and forgetting their realtors. We were picking up realtors like crazy um, just by doing our jobs well. And, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I mean like the rest is history. We killed it. Right. I mean, that's where the, the title I gave you the uh, kicker of what is the ass kicker of life. That's yeah. where that part of your introduction came from. Cause yeah. to, I mean, like you said, you, you're expanding this team, you're keeping up with all of the demand with COVID. Yeah. And then what happens now is we have another shift and now yeah. the market's going the other direction and yeah. lenders are a little bit in survival mode right now because those refinances don't exist because the rates are through the roof, you know, by the standard of right. They're what different. we're used to seeing. Yep. You know, we, we went from what, two, two, two and, and a half, three percent. Yeah. And now we're up to high seven. Mid, well, mid seven. we had some changes yesterday, right? Yeah, yesterday was a big day. Um, so, up until yesterday, not that we're not going to pop right back the uh, back up. We have no, we don't know. We have no idea what's going to happen. We can only talk about what we know. Um, uh, as of, so yesterday was November 10th. November 10th was a really, really big day because November 10th was the day that they released the new consumer price index numbers. The first one since all of these increases, since right? Since all of these increases. Okay. So since all of the fed increases. So, um, just so everybody knows, we're all on the same page because I start going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Mortgage rates are not attached to the Fed rate. So when the media talks about the Fed hiking rates, that does not mean they're hiking the mortgage rates. Right. The Fed is hiking the Fed rate, which is the rate at which banks loan each other money and at which you have access to consumer financing like credit cards and vehicle loans and HELOCs and all of those kinds of things are attached to prime is what it's called. Mm-hmm. So um, mortgage rates are attached to inflation and inflation, surprise, surprise, with all the um, with all the money that was injected into the economy and the absolute craziness in real estate that we've seen a lot in Montana, 
because of the effects of COVID and the restrictions that were put on by entities in different states where people were just, they just had to come, they had to move. And so it's been a bidding war. People have been paying $100,000, $150,000 over asking price just to get into a property. And, and so inflation for not just real estate, but everything has gone up. And so with that, has mortgage rates. So mortgage rates as of middle of last week were in the mid sevens mm-hmm. um, for not so great credit, uh, high sevens. Sure. And, um, and that's just for primary residents, right. investment properties, second homes. Um, we were in the eights and nines. Right. And um, so uh, as of Friday with the CPI number coming out, it came in much lower than what was expected, which is really, really great, which means that the things that the Fed are doing with the rate hikes are having a positive uh, effect on inflation. Thank goodness. Um, and we saw, uh, uh, it, and we ended on a 203 basis point gain on the MBS market yesterday. 200 and I don't know that I've ever seen I heard it was a historical yeah it was historic yeah it was incredible watching it climb it went way past the 50-day average you know whereas every other day we've been trying to just to get above the 25-day average and then tanking and so that's really exciting it's uh, next week is going to be really interesting to see um, what happens as a response but the market really liked those new CPI numbers Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So and, and it'll be interesting next week because, like you said, that that change doesn't necessarily, it, it's not the same thing as mortgage. Mortgage rates tend to follow, and that's why you say next week because yeah, we'll see where they land. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, um, mortgage rates follow inflation, so right. the, but the CPI number is the Fed's favorite, num- favorite measure of mm-hmm. inflation. And inflation went from, I think we were 8.6, and I think we went down to 7.8, something like that. Um, and so that was a considerable drop yeah. um, from what we've seen. I mean, that's phenomenal. So um, it's what the Fed is doing is the Fed is slowing the economy. Right. And that, of course, has affected real estate. I've heard a lot of realtors that, number one, don't realize the difference between the Fed rate and mortgage rates, right. which is sad. Um, yeah. You guys should get... Up we to need, date on that. Well, we need, you know, lenders like you in our yeah. in our pocket that are willing to come and educate like you yes. did my office. Yes. And that's why our team does understand yeah, that. Yeah, your team does understand it. And if you you're teach us. if you're a broker out there and you don't have an excellent lender that's in there telling you talking to you guys about the market, you yeah. should be reaching out. I can meet with you guys virtually even. Yep. I just did a humongous meeting um, with a team. Uh, it was virtually. Um, happy to do that, help you guys because it's the most important thing is to keep our buyers moving forward and they own, they get their read off of you guys. And if if you as realtors are scared, worried, laying on the couch, being depressed, thinking that the world is ending, so (laughs) are your buyers. So we got to be talking about all the positive things like investment real estate. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I'm excited to, to chat about that with you because, uh, that was, that was what was heavy on my mind on my drive over here. I mean, I was jacked when I showed up two hours ago on, (laughs) you know, listening to all these podcasts and listening to, you know, just trying to stay current on what's going on. And it, it, you know, it, it fascinates me how much we, as people, we, we run off of fear yeah, and that's kind of what's going on right now. And and like the part that I can't wrap my brain about around is how six months ago people were, you know, like you just said, desperate to spend a hundred, 150 above asking price, which when we say asking price, that's quote unquote market value. That's what the real estate agents put 
the price of a property at based on what others have paid for a similar property in that area, you know, whatever. So that is the value, right? Right. Market value. And people are willing to pay a hundred and 150,000 above that price six months ago. But today they're afraid, the word afraid, very intentional to make a purchase at all because the rates are higher than what they were. And to me, that's crazy because first of all, if you, if you have to move, if you have to buy a house and you're able to buy a house, why would you not? Because the rates are a little higher because rent is a hundred percent interest. Yep. 100%. So why would you be afraid to do something? If you've got the financial means, the ability you, and, and you're, you're having to make a move for your family. Why would you be afraid to buy something? Because the rates are higher than what they've been when those rates are change that you can change those like yeah. you can refinance but you cannot change how much you pay for that property you cannot nope that's that's yeah and right now the prices in our area are softening yeah you know these we're getting sellers again fear who are fearfully dumping the price of their of their house to get quote unquote out from under it because they're afraid of this crash right and it to me it's it's mind-blowing it's and like you said, it's real estate agents that maybe don't understand or yeah. it's lenders that yeah, are lenders thinking too. of themselves yeah. that are afraid because they don't have that constant infusion of refinances that are, yeah. you know, so they're and like, they were oh, only, the whole market is going to crash. They were only selling rate anyways. And so we've also, so we've got, okay, so I have a lot, lot of comments on what you said. That was a lot of stuff. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it's Dissect okay. it all. So, okay, so I'm going to try to touch on all of it. Okay. So number one, when people were willing to pay $100,000 over the value of the home, mm-hmm. they had to know that they were on closing day $100,000 in the hole yep. on that property. So they were cool with that, mm-hmm. knowing that they were upside down in a property, right? Right, like yep. you're upside down, okay? Okay, that's cool, awesome. But you had a 3% interest rate, but somehow that was okay. But now when you're able to get property at a little bit below what it's valued right. at or some uh, repairs fixed or some repairs or, you or know credit costs. Yeah, yeah yeah lots of things at a very normal interest rates in the sevens are normal the average interest rate for the last seven year or for the last 40 years is in the eights right. so um, this is a very normal mortgage rate think about what would you charge somebody if you were to loan them five hundred thousand dollars for 30 years it would not be two percent no that's beans that's That's beans it wouldn't it would never be that so here's the thing on interest rates the interest rates of the last couple of years the twos and the threes they were artificially created to make the the market continue to move even though people were staying in their homes Mm -hmm. it was an enticement to get people to continue to buy real estate. It was artificially created. And so they've taken the artificial um, uh, factors out of it. And now they're allowing the real market to show up. Mm -hmm. And because we allowed that artificial market to last for so long, our, um, the massive amount of home buyers who are coming up to home buyer age, which the average um, home buyer age right now is 33 years old. Mm -hmm. And so, but they've had the last three years, two and a half years, of what they think is normal. Right. And so now they're showing up and they think that they're getting taken yeah. and they're not no. because here's the thing, you guys, there's so many people that, okay, 
the heightened interest rate environment that we are seeing right now is simply the cost of entry into a less competitive buyer's market. Now is the time. You have so many less buyers that are on that that are buying right now because they're taking they're hearing all the fear mongering happening on the media. They're only seeing rate and they're staying on the bench. So now's the right time to buy because you guys, we did not fix the inventory problem. The inventory is still dramatically too low. Boom, right there. That was going to be my next point. Yeah, if you buy a property that you negotiate maybe $20,000 in seller paid credit to buy your interest rate down, say at $400,000, which is supported by the comps, when the interest rates do go down next year, guess what's going to happen to value of your home? Right. You're going to experience the all the appreciation of that and have an opportunity to refinance, whereas everybody else that's going to wait is going to miss out on all of that appreciation. They're going to buy at a higher mm-hmm. at a higher price. So what for in a, a lower rate? In a more competitive market again. Yeah, in a much more competitive market with no seller concessions, yep. no options, no time, nothing. Yep. Like all the horrible things the last couple of years were. The last couple of years were tough. Oh, brutal. They were so tough. Brutal. The only negative thing about this interest, this market right now is higher interest rates and you're not stuck with that rate for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. But, so then how do you, how do you talk about the, because I mean, the, the argument that I hear constantly is, yeah, the rates were a lot higher in the eighties, Yeah. but the prices of the houses weren't jacked immediately before. Yeah. How do you counter that? Absolutely. So number one, um, Americans have never made this much money before in their lives. So, um, uh, you know, typically in the 80s, you typically only had a one income household, number one. Um, And your housing expense in the 80s and all of before took up more than 50% of their household income. Now we are seeing an average of about 32% of the household income is being taken up by, by housing expense. So, this is all about proportion. Mm-hmm. So yes, prices are higher. Yes, interest rates are a little bit lower. Than, I mean, the 80s, they were in the 14%. 14, yeah. yeah, shoot. Um, so now, okay, we'll call it seven for today. Um, and But prices are higher, but you make more money. So, right. And you still need housing. So it really doesn't matter. You can either rent from somebody and pay their interest at 100% and also have the opportunity to maybe get kicked out or your rent jumped and you have no control of that yeah or you can take control of your life and know how much your mortgage payment's going to be every month and not get booted yeah that's that's the part that I because I have kids that are going you know two adults well my own kids 20 and 18 and then I've got a 13 year old that's kind of up and coming and um going to be out into this world so it's it's really big on my mind because I think anytime that I advise my clients I think those are my kids in the same position. What would I advise my kids? And, and my advice is always the same house first. Like you've got to have your, a place to stay. And to me, like you, you just nailed it with, would you rather have your own place or would you rather always live in fear that you're going to be booted out, that you're going to be, you know, your house is going to get turned into the next Airbnb, whatever it may be. So housing first and then from there, a vehicle. Yeah. And like I preach to my kids when we go over budget, when we go over like education on how to live within your damn means. Because yeah. you're right. There's never been more of an ability for people to make money. Right. Because you can always increase your earning ability if you choose to go without in other areas. You can either invest into yourself for education. You can invest into 
um, training skills. I mean, there's things that you can do slowly. It's not going to happen overnight. But first and foremost, you've got to be able to live within your means for your current position. And like with my daughters, we build out budgets and they tell me all of their things and we identify want versus need. And in a time like right now where we're, I mean, are we going into a recession? We don't know. You know, the experts are half and half. Mm -hmm. Inflation, yep, it's there. Now more than ever, every person, including myself, needs to learn how to live within their means and identify the difference between a want and a need. Mm -hmm. And needs that's housing. Yep. And if you have a job, that's a vehicle. I mean, because mm-hmm. we're rural Montana. I know that other cities, you don't need to have a vehicle. In our area, we definitely need to have a vehicle. And then it's, you know, and it's food and it's modest amounts of everything. And But people have been living the last three years with this infusion into the economy where everything is encouraged to buy, 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 and have all of the toys and all of the lifestyle changes and this big focus on, you know what, live now, live now. And and now all these people are so strapped in debt with campers, side-by-sides, boats. I don't know why I always go big on side-by-sides because it feels like everybody has two of them and then they have the big trailer. Well, now they need the big truck to haul the big trailer with the two side-by-sides. Well, shit, we got to have somewhere to sleep when we go out. So let's get a bigger camper. It's dirt cheap. It's the rates are so low. It's only, you know, 1% interest. Let's get a bigger camper. We don't need sell the shit. Yeah. Sell Sell it all the shit. Sell it all and live within your damn means. And then because, because how people are not willing to give up those things, how people are not willing to give up going out and doing things that they can't afford. Eating out. My, yeah. my kids would eat out seven nights a week if we didn't talk about, okay, well, you're paying for it. Yeah. Yeah, like, you are. Live within your means. Well, and it's not just kids getting started, right? Like it's not our kid, just our kids mm-hmm. getting started. Like we see people who are our age that yes. are in the middle of their lives yes. that have still not figured out their spending problem. Yep. And if you know housing has to be number one because you and I are both the same that if we were renting our homes and and we were to get evicted how many places you have four dogs I have four dogs how many places you have five now oh my god carry on um (laughs) how many places could we just pop up and 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 go find a rental that's going to take our four dogs none it's too risky yep we cannot risk our families being homeless nope because they would be. Yep. And that's not being an extremist. That's that's for real. You're that's homeless. That's being responsible and yeah. understanding. And, and yet people are still taking the dogs too. Like don't keep, uh, yes, yeah. I have a lot of dogs right now. I own right. my home. <laughs> but right. I'm saying people that are in rental situations right. are still getting more dogs. They have yeah. they have four and five dogs and they right. live in a rental. And uh, like they just. You have no options. You just have no options. You're just strapped. And yeah. so that's what I mean is like we can sit here and talk about the rates and like society in general can talk like there's this big bad wolf and it's Mm -hmm. inflation. There's this big bag bad wolf and it's landlords. There's this big bad wolf. It's, you know, it's people, the mortgage the sellers, lenders jacking the, yeah, their rates. The, 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 the mortgage <laughs> lenders, the realtors. Yeah, the realtors the, are doing it. Yep, all mm-hmm. of it. The sellers, the greedy sellers. Like those, yeah. all those are big bad wolves. But you know what? The fact is those are all 100% out of your control. Right. The only thing that you as an individual can control is yourself, your yep. own situation, your own spending habits, your own budget, yep. your own life, and what you're willing to do to make changes to that to have more control and mm-hmm. not be a quote unquote victim of the big bad wolf. And right. people aren't, people aren't ready to talk about that though. No. And 
so it simply comes down to accountability. It's like a topic right now in Red Lodge right now is that, you know, there's not, and this is in lots of communities, there's not enough um, rental properties for single people. Well, honey, it's not up to the community to provide that for you. It's not. It's just not. And I'm sorry that it's that way, but it just isn't. And, you know, every single family is accountable to the people and the animals, too, if you have dogs. I mean, you have to provide housing. And nobody is going to wave their magic wand and give it to you. So you have to get control of whatever it is that you're spending. And we see a lot of people that just really overspend. And so history repeats itself, right, you guys? So every single time we've ever had a recession, it's been really good for mortgage rates, number one. Mortgage rates will drop with recession. We're praying for like, call it a recession. That's just, let's just roll with it. We're good with that. We know how to do that. Um, The only time that recession was not good for housing was 2008, nine and 10, like the great recession. That was the only time in history that recession was not good for housing. So this is because that one was specifically attached to housing, right? This is not attached to housing. This is still, this, this is attached to other things. And so, but the history repeats itself. What's happening, what has, has happened in the last several years is a carbon copy of what happened in uh, 1910, 1920s Germany, the Weimar Republican Republic between the World War One and World War Two, And it's not something that's talked about a lot. I have never heard this story. Yes. Tell me so a story. it's called the Weimar Republic. And it was after coming off the high of, of World War One, there was a massive amount of spending and and money injected into the economy and so people were flying high like they have like we have in the last few years everybody was was spending and like even the elevator man was investing and like everybody was involved in in some sort of industry and like even if you didn't even have a good idea like every and every sort of business idea was doing well uh and it wasn't just you know if you had a crappy business idea you just didn't the market didn't like it and you just it would fail it's just like everything did really well and then we also saw in the Weimar Republic uh, the loss of morality, which is what we're also seeing right now. Well, yeah. after the what happened to the Weimar Republic was absolute atrocity in in the economic position, and that high did not last. And so we are echoing that. We are seeing that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing economic difficulty with the hyperinflation that we're seeing. But these are all big words and big economic terms that at the end of the day, you have to decide what's best for your family and you have to provide housing in a situation that you can pay for. And, and so that might mean mama that you don't get to drive a Cadillac Escalade to drop your kiddos off at school. I'm sorry. Sell it. Sell it. Why do these vehicles cost so much money right now? Why are they paying that? I just a hundred thousand dollars for a vehicle. Are you kidding me? It's asinine. Yeah, I know. I, I, I read the book, the millionaire next door about a year. Have you read that? No. Oh God. Read it. It's, I mean, it's old. I think it's from the nineties or something like that, but it it was life changing for me. I, I had, I've discovered Dave Ramsey years ago and kind of picked him up, set him down, picked him up, set him down. And I love the for a basic person like myself who had right. never had money, who didn't come from money and grew up as an, as a consumer, 
mm-hmm. not knowing the difference, it was mind change. It was just life changing for me to understand the basics of a budget, living within your means. Um, and then, so anyway, but then I, I set him down when it comes to my theory on investing, because I yeah. think positive leverage is, um, so is a no brainer. Yeah. Right. So I don't yeah. agree with him on waiting and saving and paying cash for your properties, investment properties, but the rest of it, I'm on point anyway, shifting back to, um, the millionaire, the millionaire next door. So I read that book and it just talks all about basically that like your your everyday millionaire which now would probably be a multi-millionaire because it's right. 90s to 2022 um but yeah it's and that's the number one thing that they they talk about is the vehicles millionaires don't drive like the mo- I think the most common vehicle in that book or whatever was like a, a Ford Explorer and a Ford F1250 very simple yep. paid for in cash and that's just it is people don't understand like you you can't start out and have it all no. It's got to be baby steps and you've got to prioritize first and foremost, but you can't jump into investing if you don't have your spending under control. You can't, now that times are tough, hate everybody and yell about the the big bad wolf no. when you don't have your own things within your control, yeah. under control. First and foremost, take care of yourself. Sell all the shit. Yeah. Set a budget. Live within it. Eat at home. If you don't know how to cook, that YouTube. YouTube. Yeah learn to cook, stay at home, do your thing. And then when the, like when this starts, when we start to come out of this, you're, you're ready. You're in a position, you've got the knowledge, you've got, you've saved up some money. Maybe you've taken the downtime sitting at home and not spending money out and about. I don't know. Having real relationships with your family. That would be great too. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not looking at your phone. Yeah. That's amazing. That would be great too. You know, we need more foundationary things like that. And you know, you used an analogy and I'll use a little bit of a different one, but it, you know, the Insta, the Instagram millionaires, mm. you know, the, the Instagram millionaires that are out there that are driving the, um, the Lamborghinis and, um, and you know, the millionaire by 20 years old or whatever, or retire sure. by 40. That is not real. Mm. And anybody who's a producer knows what you would be absolutely miserable if you retired at 40. Oh, it would be, that's how, that's how people commit suicide after that, <laughs> after they sell their business. Don't do that. Um, you have to have something to do, but all of that is fluff. It's just fluff. There's no foundation behind it. When I worked at the bank, the richest man that was depositing in the bank, you would never have known that he was had a dollar to, to, to his yes. name. He, he wore, you know, those old, um, like used to see at Pomida or whatever, the quilted line flannel mm-hmm. shirt jacket. And he wore like an old beat up, uh, like baseball cap and holy jeans. And he was patched up jeans, patched yep. up jeans. And he, he was, you know, scruffy and he drove an old, um, uh, like a eighties pickup with a ladder rack on it. Yeah. And that man was rich. Well, and that's the difference that people don't understand. And that's what I learned from in I mean, really was driven home in that book is that there's a difference between somebody that's wealthy and somebody that's a high income right. earner. High income earners are the ones that drive because they have a status they have to uphold so that you, right. you, you get your doctors, your attorneys, your pharmacists, not to beat up on pharmacists, but high income earners. Well, the, the, the status quo yeah. For that is that if you are a doctor, you've got to live in the richest neighborhood. If you right. are, you know, an attorney, you have to drive a Mercedes Benz, whatever. And so those people, because they're trying to keep up with the Joneses and to live within the the box that they're supposed to be within by being a high income earner, right. they're the ones that are usually strapped 
down in debt because they're trying to have this image versus we're going to go back to the plumbers, the plumber that goes and creates this business. And he, the expectation is not to be driving a Benz. It's not to be dressed in a suit. It's not to have the nicest watch. It's to be dirty and Mm -hmm. covered in, you know, filth. And, you know, nobody expects them to have money and nobody Mm -hmm. expects them to look like they have money. And they're the ones that take their money and they invest it because they're not expected to put it into anything else. And they're the ones that develop long-term generational wealth, not, they don't look rich. They are rich. They are (laughs) rich. And they're also rich in other things like things that actually matter yes you know and not that every plumber has it all going on we're not just saying that using 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 that as an example example, but unexpected wealthy person yeah i mean how redefining what makes you wealthy you know redefining what makes you happy and you know for me it's simplicity it's time at home with my family it's money in the bank those things make me happy and you know you know, just full transparency. You know, I came from nothing too. I came from absolutely nothing. We had, I mean, I was, I, I had collection accounts when I was in college. Oh boy. Um, you know, like (laughs) I had my my name too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I had my own collection accounts, my own credit issues that I had. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I first started making money, I had no idea even what to do with it yeah most of us don't and so I just you know you look around and you see other successful people and you see the purse that she's carrying Mm -hmm. the shoes that she's wearing the vehicles that they're driving the you know the vacations that they go on like all of that stuff and you know I dove headlong into that stuff I spent a lot of money I spent a lot of money and did a lot of things and uh, I found but I found very quickly and I think it really came from reading my family how unimpressed they were with it Yep. because they're, you know, just, my husband's just a hardworking, you know, he says he has, I ask him what he's thinking. He's like, I'm just, he lives in the moment. He's not impressed by things. He's not impressed by vacations. You know, he'd rather just be home and, and hang out on the couch with me. (laughs) I just saw him go tootling by in his like 1990 Ford F-150 and his little muff hat on that covers his little ears. And he's got his dog in the truck and he's He's happier in a pig and shit. He is happier in a pig and shit. And like that man (laughs) is like the richest man on the planet because in life experience, and Mm -hmm. he is so happy with simple things. And I looked at my stupid fancy bag and the people I was running around with that they're stupid Gucci crap. And I'm like, that crap just doesn't matter to me. I just want to be with this man and I want to live this life. And so redefining that. And the thing about it is, is that it's okay to make those mistakes, those spending mistakes early. Almost everybody does. Yeah. Myself included. Almost everybody does. But figure it out as quickly as you can and get out of those habits as quickly as you can and redefine because at the end of the day, we're not just working to survive. We're working to live our best lives. As far as I can tell, we only get one life. And if we are reassigned, we don't know about it. So, uh, you know, so you only get one life that you know about. So it needs to be the best one. And I'm here to do something more than just survive and pay my damn bills. So I don't want all my money to go to that, just, just to my housing. But you know, there's ways like what you've done with using your money. You guys live pretty simply yeah. and, Very and simply. you have used your money to invest in other things and invest in, in things that are going to passively make you money. Yes. And I've done the same thing mm-hmm. with that stuff and it's changed my life, changed your life. Yep. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. And there's, I mean, and I'm at that point now where we're, we're comfortable in life. Like our bills are paid. Like, trust me, I'm still deathly afraid of poverty. I talked about that in my last interview. I'm so afraid of ever being poor again Yeah, that it it gets me out of bed. It keeps me hustling (laughs) because I am afraid of it but I don't let it consume me because I keep right. my eye on what I want, not on what I'm afraid of. Cause that's, that's the key in life. Right. But I'm at this point now where I'm looking to get to the next level because I'm so freaking excited to pay it forward, to give information right. and mentorship and give back to the world. Because I had people that taught me when I started to make money, Hey idiot, you don't need that big house. Oh, okay, cool. I'm selling it. And I bought three more that make money for us. Right. Um, just being able to mentor and to teach and to, you know, inspire others that came from nothing and, and, and they can learn through my stupid mistakes. I mean, I was the same as you. I had, I married somebody that had horrible, horrible, horrible credit. And I had none. I, I myself would rather go out and have fun because it was an immediate gratification Yeah, that was easier than staying home and saving money, blah, right. blah, blah. Like I've been there too and I get it and I understand, but I do know that you're not stuck in the life that you're in, that you are the person that has the ability to create the next step that creates the next um, thing in your life that gets you out of poverty right. and nobody right. else is coming for you. The government is not going they're not to coming for help you. you. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. They're going to put a bandaid on something if you sink that low. Yeah. And it was that moment that I sat there and I either had to put my hand out to the government and say, I need welfare or, right. and my, or was working in the prison, joining the military, doing right. things that suck yeah. short term, you know, 10 years, 10 years is short term over the 10 course years is of, short term. Uh, yeah. I mean, over 80 years, it's short term. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so glad that I started that long ago making positive steps because otherwise it would still, I would still be doing hard things. You know, like uh, it. a memory that I have that is, it's, it's not a memory that I, you know, because I think about what you think about is, is what you will, where you will go to. So what you focus on is, is where you will go. But I also believe in, in the lessons and the messages taught to us from our history. Mm-hmm. And I remember, so Zane and I, um, we, we bought a single wide trailer house for $20,000 and we love that trailer house and we made it our own. It was baby pink and baby blue when we Oof. moved in and we painted everything. We put a wood stove in it and made it ours. We made it cozy and it was just, it was, it was, we loved our house and that was the house we brought our son home to and it was a very special place to us. And, but I was working in mortgage and we knew that we didn't want to live in a trailer park anymore. And, um, so we wanted to buy a home and I knew that we could, uh, with mostly with his income. Right. And, um, but we knew that when we bought the house, uh, bought a home and sold our trailer house for $22,000, we made a profit, hey. made a profit on our trailer house. Yes. And um, lived there for free. We lived there for free. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. It was not a bad I deal. Love real estate. <laughs> I know it's a good thing. So we bought the house, but the exchange was because we had a higher payment, right? The exchange was my husband said to me, okay, that's fine. But if I'm going to pay this higher mortgage payment, I need you to cover the power bill. And I remember laying awake at night and every single time that the furnace would turn on, it would wake me up in the middle of the night with sheer panic because I had $75 to pay the power bill, but not a dollar more. 
Yeah. It could not go over $75. And every single time that that furnace would turn on, it would wake me up in like I had a cold sweat. Yeah. And, but that's when it's so important. And like right now with, with things not feeling so great mm-hmm. with everything costing more and everybody is, is, you know, 70% of America right now is not making it paycheck to paycheck. Right. They're going in the hole. We've never had so much consumer debt. Okay. It burns right now. Let it burn, you know, let it burn and learn from it, learn 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 from it, fix it, make changes. Don't make the same mistakes again. Make the adjustments, get rid of the extra vehicles, the side by sides. Do you know you can rent all that shit? You don't need to own it. You can, if you want to go snowmobiling, just, just head on up to Cook City and rent yourself a snowmobile for the day. And then you can drop it off and you don't have a payment. Right. You know, you can rent RVs, you can rent boats, you can rent side-by-sides, you can rent everything you could ever want. And then you don't have that payment. So you can have that lifestyle without having all of that. And people just don't know that. They're, they succumb to the marketing of 1% interest. Well, you can't get 1% interest now. No, no. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because you still have the payment and people, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. I know we're kind of beaten up on those in that position, but I, but I've been in that position right? and I, and I learned from it and that's yeah, what we just want to help. Yeah. And sometimes the world comes around and smacks you in the face yeah. and says, okay, yep. Times are hard right now. What are you going to do about it? Right. What and are you the key do? is what are you going to do about yeah, it? You're accountable. Nobody's coming to save you. Mm-hmm. No one, you make decisions and you make a life for yourself and whatever life you're living is a 100% a direct result of the decisions yeah. that you make and you only, and guess what? You can, you can start over, you can try again and you can choose again every single day. Yeah. Success is not a straight line. Nope. It's a series of failures. So hurry up and fail. Um, you know, you're, you know, you still hold investment properties and you, um, have passive income from that. I've done Mm -hmm. that a little bit differently. I used, uh, the investment properties that we've owned, that we owned. Um, I allowed them to appreciate. I made money on them while they were appreciating. Um, and then I turned and sold them at the height of the market, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when everybody was paying way over. I sold them and used that money to um, put the down payment on this ranch and um, and then put a bunch of money in the bank. And so I would say on about four investment properties, um, I probably in about eight years made a million dollars in, in, in just appreciation. Mm -hmm. And that is going to happen again. And so like right now is a great time to buy into investment properties right now, even though you have to do it a little bit different, um, buying into investment properties to, to get the gain because there will be gain. Yeah. Yeah, you, you just have to hold. Real estate's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And that's it's it's that same mentality that I've been beating up on is that you've got 10 years is not a lot of time. No. Real estate is not, it's not a sprint. It's it's a 20-year, 30-year lifetime investment that, you know, there's gonna be ups, there's gonna be downs, and you've gotta you've gotta ride those waves and understand how that money is making you money depending on where, where the, where the market's at, but you can't just bail when you get scared. You've got to like ride it out because the one thing in life that people are always going to need is the one thing that you and I are sitting here preaching that people need to put first and foremost. And that is housing. Housing. People are always going to need housing and people do what they're, 
you know, this, this phrase has been phrase, um, whatever, uh, term has been overused and it has a very negative connotation, but it is, it's, it's sheep, you know, people, yeah. people are sheep naturally and they see others bailing out and not buying right now. Right. And so they do the same. And right. Warren Buffett is huge on doing what others yeah. are not doing. You know, yeah. when, when people are running for real estate is probably when you should be buying Absolutely. and vice versa. Like, why are people afraid to buy right now when the market is softened? When, like you said, six months right. ago, they were they were killing each other and paying the, well, <laughs> the seller's child's college degree for them. I mean, they were making these weird, weird offers just to right. get the property. And it's like, man, now it's no different right now. No. It's no different. No, it's no different. And you have to be very, very careful with the messaging that you're receiving and very careful of what you allow to go into your brain because your brain is very, very... Um, you, you should treat your brain as if it's the brain of an eight-year-old little girl mm. and only allow the things to go in it that are good for you. Mm. And unfortunately, our mainstream media has, you know, they, they tell us where to look and they tell us where to pay attention. And right now they're telling us to look away from real estate. Right. That is a bad thing, yeah. that the Fed is hiking. And you really need to be able to look beyond the message and say, why are they doing that? Right. Because they want to get control of inflation. Yeah, because they're trying to get control of inflation. We also know that there's some really big entities that are buying, uh, you know, they're the, the corporation BlackRock, which is one of the biggest. So BlackRock and mm -hmm. Vanguard own, you know, the biggest, uh, fine, you know, uh, investing, um, companies in the country, I think maybe in the world, but we'll just say in the country for now. Um, BlackRock actually owned more real estate in the state of Arkansas than, the, than, uh, the average, than, than a consumer. Than like all private parties? Than all private parties. Wow. And so, there is a big buy-up happening very quietly of real estate, and you can have different reasons about it, whether it's just providing, some, maybe it's an entity that's just going to provide real rental housing for, for Americans, maybe, um, or whatever it is. But um, but you when when they tell you not to do something, you should be looking and finding out why they're saying that. Follow and the thinking, money. Yeah, follow the money. See who's getting paid. Yeah. So make sure you're the one getting paid. For sure. Yeah, that's... I, I can't agree with that enough, but live within your means. I but like starting, starting first and foremost, take care of your family. And if you yep. can't afford to buy a house right now, don't buy a house, but make the changes within your life that will allow you to own a house. And yeah. that's, that's, it, it's a marathon. It's not going to be a sprint, but you don't get started until you get started. The right. day that you get started, you're one day closer every single day. And right. then once you own your own home and you pull yourself out of debt and you pull yourself out, maybe not even completely out of debt, but you pull yourself out of being to the point where you can't afford paycheck to paycheck. And then right. your credit score grows. And then from there, you've got a house. And then from there, you can decide, do you want a bigger house or do you right. want to live modestly and simply and instead pour your extra money into IRAs, IROS, real estate, whatever mm -hmm. it may be, like literally start today. Because yeah. if you wait till tomorrow, Don't every wait. day is going to be waiting until tomorrow and you're still going to be the same. Yeah. And then you are relying upon the big bad wolf to tell you how you're going to live. And who the hell wants that? No. Not me. Who the hell wants that? And no, and no matter what you need, you need housing, like we talked about, but something that's a humongous money suck. And I think we touched on it a little bit, you know, is eating out. I heard a really interesting metric, um, just yesterday. And it was that, um, the, um, the impoverished family 
that cooks at home is actually healthier than the wealthy family that eats out. I believe that 100%. Yeah. And 100%. so it's always been, we've always pigeonholed the, the, the folks that are impoverished by being the ones that have the lowest um, uh, or that have the highest malnutrition or that they have, you know, that the, 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 they're the least healthy. And that's sure. simply not true. The, the level of wealth is not, is not the measuring stick here. It's how you're feeding yourself. Yeah. And the amount of sugar and salt and MSG that goes into into commercially produced food, you would never put that much into your into your food at home. Right. And it's making people sick and unhealthy. And if there's anything else other than buying a home and making sure that you're living within your means, that is just as important. It's make sure that you're taking care of your physical body. Yep. Make sure that you're feeding yourself well um, because you can't be a leader for your family, for your team, for uh, for yourself if you aren't you know, thinking clearly and being able to move and being able to, to do the things physically you need to do. I think about all the running that you and I do for our businesses and all the late nights and all the, you know, we can't do that if we're not taking care of ourselves. For sure. And yeah, and and I, I have fallen into that too, of not taking care of myself. I rely on eating out of my squirrel bin is what I call it. The console in my truck, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it's cashews, it's power bars, it's protein shakes, you know, whatever, like you got to try to do what you can do within your means. And it's, I mean, it's, it's conscious decision-making Yeah, and people know what's healthy. People know what's not healthy. Um, the ability to pay for it. Yep. That stuff's expensive, but so yeah. is fast food. So is eating out. It's, you know, choose your hard, choose, choose your, your hard. hard. It's all hard. Absolutely. It's all hard. Yeah. Oh gosh. Let's, you know, choose your hard buying, being a first time home buyer. Huh, 45% of all home buyers right now are first time home buyers. Can you believe that? That is insane. So if first time home buyers can figure out this interest rate environment, yeah. where the rest, of, where, where are the rest of you? Yeah. Where are the rest of you? You know, maybe it's not the best time to buy a second home, but figure out how you're going to get yourself some more income or how you're going to move your family along and be able to do something better. Maybe you are one of the people that, that bought a super expensive house the last Downsize. couple of years. Downsize. Yep. Scroll that money away. Put it into something that you make yourself money. Buy an investment property. Yep. Uh, so I want to ask you this. Sure. You guys have done, I mean, you have an incredible husband. Uh, and who he's has very so, handsome. He looks just very like George Clooney. <laughs> he hates like, when I say this on interviews. I know. That's he's so <laughs> hot. Like, I remember I met I him the first time. I'm like, holy shit. Boy, Tracy. she lucked out <laughs> won the lottery. I know. It took a lot of hard work just there to... You go. to uh, well, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> mine's a hottie too. And yes, also super, super capable. So when you're looking at investment property, mm-hmm. yeah, that loser that didn't go to college, he's pretty, he does pretty damn well. He can literally yes. do anything, build anything, fix yep. anything. Yes. So he's helped me a ton with my, with my investment property. So, but when you're looking for an, a new investment property, mm-hmm. what kind of things are you looking for with it? Yeah. Great question. Um, I'm supposed to be interviewing you. This is Sorry. But conversations are better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So actually I just, just went under contract on one yesterday. Okay. So preaching, I, I don't sit here and preach this stuff like, Oh, no. don't be afraid to buy. I'm buying. You so are. just so you know, yesterday. um, and you know what, it depends on where I'm at within my money cycle right now is a slow time in real estate and I am intentionally stepping back and not 
earning as much money, so I'm living within my means. Right. <laughs> um, and so my properties that I'm looking for right now are less intensive on renovation, but I'm always looking for add value. I'm going to buy under market value, and I'm going to be able to hopefully double that value. And that sounds super like aggressive and motivated and unrealistic, but that's my goal always. Um, so like I will buy properties that have like, okay, so for example, this one is all it needs is cosmetic, but I know what my cash flow is going to be at the end of it. And I'm analyzing to try to make where I'm doubling the payment on it. So I use leverage because I, I, prefer to leverage meaning mortgage financing. Yep, exactly. Yep. I would like the bank's money to make me money. And then my yep. tenants, the people that don't want home ownership are making my mortgage payment for me. Yep. And then after my reserves, the cash flow that's coming in is what's going into my savings to be able to buy more properties, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so my, the properties that I'm looking for are under market value and have some sort of add value opportunity, whether it be a total cosmetic overhaul, whether it be um, the last one that I bought prior to this one had a terrible stigma on it. It was a murder suicide property that I ended up getting severely undervalued. I walked the day that I closed on that. I had, I had nine, let's see, 90 or 110,000. I can't remember which side of it. We'll just say a hundred thousand dollars equity in it the day that I closed on it. Well, it also had a quote unquote shed in the back that had no utilities to it. That was just, you know, it had no value, quote unquote, that shed, I knew we could turn into a tiny house and mm -hmm. it wasn't a shed. It was actually a full structure. It was a little miner's cottage and we were told it had no, no utility. So we were going to go in and add value by having a second property or a second uh, unit on this property well it had utilities wow yeah, you so lucked out I I did yeah but we were willing to put it in we just saved a little bit so we converted that little tiny um, house into a what's going to be an Airbnb a bohemian tiny house or it'll be affordable housing for somebody else down the road but so we ended up dumping it'll by the time we're done it'll be about $35,000 into that so now we're down in my mind 65,000 equity. Yeah. <laughs> but the amount of value that was added by having two completely renovated pro um, houses on one property, I mean, and my rents are going to be through the roof. So, so the value in long term, the marathon, not the sprint, but the marathon is that I have a property that's now valued at double what it was when I appraised it because I have a whole nother structure that's brand new on it. Right. So that is what I'm looking for is maximum add value. Yeah. Um, that I can, because my husband is handy, capable, amazing, and not college educated, but is mechanically just can do anything. Right. Um, and very handsome. Very handsome. Very handsome. Um, we are able to, you know, I, I like to say that I'm the brains because I'm the one that's looking for right. the financial aspect. He's the one that's doing the, the physical, putting it together with our amazing team. And that's yeah. what I look for. I think... That's so amazing. And, and, but not only are you building your own real estate portfolio, you're also doing a great thing for the community. Yes. And I've always thought that about you is that, you know, you, um, you take properties that most people would never take a, a swing at yeah. because there's, there's some things in Butte that need some renovation oh, yeah. and that's never been anything to slow you down. And look what you're doing. You are beautifying Butte. Yeah. You are making better quality real estate one house at a time. I've always admired that about you guys. And 
I, I, I love what you're doing. Well, thank I do. You. I thank do. You. So yeah, that's great. And we try to offer our stuff below market value for rent as well. We, you know what, full, full disclosure, we went down the, the path and we're, we were going to uh, rent to Paramount. They're in town right now doing filming and you can rent to them for three and four times the amount you can to a local. And oh, we went wow. down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can get, you know, 3000 for a house you normally would rent for about nine, yeah. 900, a thousand. And we went down that road and we were like, yep, let's, let's do this. We're going to rent this new property that we had bought. Um, and you know, it just, it felt sleazy. It felt dirty. It yeah. felt, I was taking advantage of them because they could pay that much. But more importantly, I was screwing over our locals yeah. who need housing. So we said, scratch it. And we kept the furniture that we bought for the property for Paramount, kept it in there. And now we're renting to a very sweet, uh, a couple of sisters that got priced out of the housing market can't afford it anymore I they're kind of stuck and we're you know that's what served us well in the past is by doing the right thing and trying to provide good reliable great housing at affordable prices and you know what that's that's where that's our niche that's what we're gonna do um so yeah and so. you're I mean you guys are just such good people because so many people would have just been like hell yeah take the money and run kind of yeah. thing and you guys are thinking about your community yeah and you know that's a topic of conversation here in red lodge like we were talking about you know there's not enough rental houses and mm -hmm. in red lodge especially for single people and because of you know there the thing is in a lot of communities like like red lodge being a resort community a lot of people have second homes here because mm -hmm. they come and ski and so it really makes sense for them to do short-term rental because they would like to have the house for a portion of the year themselves yep. Yep. and so they can schedule their their own time and then fill up the rest of the time with short-term renters and and make some money on the property mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't really work for them to have a long-term renter in there yeah um, so, but that's not every community. Um, no, it's, it's different. It's, and that, that's, you're exactly mm -hmm. right. Those places like big sky, same thing. Those yeah. places like, you know, lakefront properties. It's, it's not, everybody has that, no. that ability. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I'm excited about buying some investment real estate here in Red Lodge because we live here. Yes. Um, let's hear what is, what are you looking for in investments? You know, uh, mostly for me, um, I'm looking for a property that could use some love for sure, because I've got such a capable husband mm -hmm. and, and we do such a great job together of me giving him an idea, him, yep. him putting it through to fruition. I mean, that's, there's nothing better than walking into a property that was a vision of yours and seeing it in the flesh. I mean, yes. we really, really kill it in that space. Yes, you do. Um, uh, and I'm going to have to have you down to my new office. It's so cute. Yes. Um, but, um, uh, I, I'm looking for something that could use a little bit of love that somebody else, other people are looking away from because it needs love. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but something that we could long-term rent. Yep. Um, the, the, the turnover with the short-term rent for me is, is, is a, a bit too work. much. It's, it's a, a bit too much. I, w I, but, um, I've also had some challenges with some long-term runners too. So definitely this time around, uh, I'm going to use a property management company for sure. Yeah, and it's hands off. Yeah. I just, I'm a bleeding heart. You could literally yep. tell me your dog died every month and that's the reason why you can't make your rent payment. <laughs> and I would believe you every month. And, and, and you would donate to the GoFundMe side and too. And I would <laughs> donate. I'm, I'm fully gullible on all that stuff and it's just not served me well. So yeah, next time. Know Next your strengths, time, know your rentals. weaknesses. Yeah. That's it. I got, we're up to, I think when we close on this one that we went under contract, I think we're, I, I don't know, we were keeping track of this the other day. I think we're going to be at 11 
properties and then more doors because some of them have multiple doors. But um, yeah, I, I told myself when I get to 10 properties, I'm handing mine off to a property manager because at that point, it's another kind of like a full-time job to It me. is a lot. And especially when you're running some of them short-term where you're turning them over more. Yeah. Um, and now I've got this super capable property management company that yeah. is within my building. It is not my property management company. I'm right. so over the top proud and excited for Cameron Beardsley and Shelly Horsley. They've opened a property management company. It's housed within my building. And so that's like, so easy. I might have to just hand this over to them. I wish and they could. I run. wish they would do mine. It's a bit far for them to manage. <laughs> I don't know. You might ask them. They're pretty. They're miracle workers. They are. <laughs> they make. They make miracles happen. Yes. Wow. Just like you. Mm-hmm. Um, your dog is graciously um, coming up onto my lap. Yeah. In this he wants setting. to come He's and adorable. see you. Um, but yeah, I guess I. So one more thing. I know we're over on time, but I, I want to touch one one more topic before we wrap this up. Tell me about your coaching, and this is near and dear to my heart because I. I'm getting coaching right now on how to slow down and how to, your, your dog is killing me. Come on, Rip. <laughs> Let me just take a second to pull him up here. Come on, Rip. He's like, on. lift my butt. Oh, God, I love you too. Oh, God, I love you too. <laughs> He's making out with me. Okay. Anyway, um, tell me about coaching and what you do and who you coach and what has that done for you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so sorry for the dog. No, don't be. I uh, love dogs. Um, he's pretty thrilled now. Uh, okay, so part... So I started receiving coaching. I kind of touched on it earlier that Carl White's my guru. Um, he's my guru because he changed my life. Um, he really, I had no idea what I was capable of doing. And everything, um, all the systems and processes, um, how we delegate, how we separate tasks, who does what kind of thing is entirely based on the teaching that I learned from him and his program. And um, Mary Carroll was my coach and she's actually a realtor. Mm. She was my coach and uh, for four years and uh, I built out my team with them. And so I, uh, several years ago, had started writing into my goals that I wrote out every day that said I wanted someday to be a coach for that same entity. And uh, about a year and a half ago now, I guess, they reached out to me and asked me to be a coach for them. And so... It's funny how manifestation works, huh? It, <laughs> it's creepy. It um, is. It's creepy how, how manifestation works and I could go down lots of rabbit holes on yeah, that, but I know we could talk um, for, days. for days on that, but <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a real thing. Um, so they asked me to be a coach. I am coaching right now 15 other lenders. So I only coach lenders. I get asked all the time if I coach realtors. I don't. Um, I do support all of the realtors that I that are a part of my in my love bucket. They're mm-hmm. my they're my focus 80. Uh, yeah. There's about 80 of them um, that I focus on, and I do give them coaching too for free. But um, mm-hmm. but I coach lenders on how to build their team, how to hire, how to delegate, how what tasks that they should be working on, making sure that they have a daily success plan for filling their, uh, their pipeline, um, and how to follow up, how to, how to have a business is different than everybody else's. It's, it's not hard work. It's just consistent, a consistent daily plan. And, um, so yeah, I, I do that. I'm leaving, uh, tomorrow to go to a coaching event. It's a conference in Nashville where I get to see a bunch of the people that I coach and we're going to get re-inspired here, a bunch of speakers talking about what they're doing to, to change their businesses, grow their businesses in, in a time where lots of people aren't doing any business. 
um, this group of people is killing it. There's uh, some of them are even doing better numbers than they were doing last year. Mm. So, I mean, this is it, you know, you are the sum of the five people that you hang out with, which I love hanging out with you because you make me better. Um, and, but you got to hang out with people that are going to make you better. You don't want to be the smartest person in the room all the time. You want to hang out with people that are, are better than you that are doing better, that are make you want to do better. So, um, that's what we're going to do. I, I love the coaching that I do. I'm so blessed to do it. I thought it was my retirement gig. Um, but I'm doing it while I'm running my business. Uh Um, I coach, I coach each person every other week for about 45 minutes and yeah, every other week. And, and I bet you it. get as much, if not more, <laughs> out of it than they do, huh? Because it's, yeah. it's, it's rewarding. It's so rewarding to see them change. It's so rewarding to see the light bulb moments. Mm-hmm. Um, my role in the uh, in the coaching group, my, my title, um, other than being a coolness accelerator, but I'm the ass kicker. Yes. I'm the one that they send me the folks that are like, they need... Because every single person like real estate, every single person that's in lending for the most part that does well in lending, they're alphas, right? Mm -hmm. You and I are alphas. Mm -hmm. And so in order to coach an alpha, and this is important for you and your future of coaching maybe, but in order to coach an alpha, you got to be a bigger alpha. And, and sometimes that means getting pretty big with them and pretty serious with them. And I get very, I'm very direct with them. We don't mess around. I tell them I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your coach. I'm here to make you uh, be better. Right. And and so we talk a lot about their money. We talk a lot about their activities. We talk a lot about their excuses and their bullshit. Yeah. Well, that's and, yeah, that's what yeah. you need. It's yeah. mindset. Everything it is. is mindset in life. And mm-hmm. you, if, until you know how to control your your mindset, and even when you do, you everybody falls. Everybody slips. Everybody has um, things that happen in their lives that I've got to cough. God dang it. <coughs> <coughs> sorry, we don't edit. So you guys are going to listen to me cough, but, um, you need somebody else there to help you control your mindset. Cause we all slip. Yeah. And it's, if, if you're not doing your peak performance, it's your mindset. It is your mindset. And it's, and it's something that it's not about whether or not you slip. It's about how fast you can get back up and keep moving again. Yep. And are you going to waller around? Like we all mess up. Yep. Like we all fall stuff. We all fall off the wagon. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're like on the side of the road, you know, our wagons, bent, you know, turned over and on fire, <laughs> but like how quickly can you get back on the road, headed in the right direction, doing the right things? Do not let yourself get off track more than two days. Like two days is, is long enough. Get back doing the activities. Just sometimes we have to push ourselves through doing things and, but it's, it's so worth it. I'm doing 75 hard right now again. And I just, every single one of us needs something to measure themselves against to something that you know, that you've done enough. I think that that's something that you know, you and I have struggled with over the years is have I done enough? And so setting those goalposts of this is, this is when it's enough Mm -hmm. and hitting those things, making sure that you're hitting those things. And even if you hit those things at like 11 o'clock in the morning, you can go screw off for the rest of the day. Like you've done everything that you need to do and, and you can be happy. That's Andy Frisella's, um, uh, power list. That's what I work off of. And his 75 hard program. I'm a humongous believer in the change in your mindset that it, that it makes. And sure. like, I'm in the middle of the program and I feel like I could just rip the world down. Like I, <laughs> I feel like I could run through a wall yeah. because it just, 
taking care of myself and my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen, sister. Amen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I am going to have to say goodbye and wrap this up because A, yeah. this dog needs a little bit of love that I need yeah. to just squeeze him and kiss him. And, uh, you know, we try to keep things to, uh, we just need to do take two and we could pick a topic and go forever. And that's forever. what I love about you. I'll never forget endless gratitude to you for the time that you called me knowing, uh, for whatever reason, you were probably touching your, your list of people, which that's what we do because that's what you coach on. Uh, but I was sitting in the bath having a wallowing moment of self pity and whatever else. And you called and just said, you know, how are you? And I'm like, well, goddamn, is she making small talk? Well, I don't care. She asked, I'm telling her. Yeah. <laughs> and you spent the time to just uh, chit chat about life and business and how hard things get and yeah. gave me a big pep talk. And guess what? The next day I got back up on the horse and away I went. And I remember you know, that conversation too. That was yeah. mutually beneficial to both of us. Yeah. yeah. So I guess uh, in conclusion, uh, Colleen's a great mentor, a great friend of mine, because we can kind of go back and forth and keep things going. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what our listeners need to. You need to find somebody that you admire and you maybe you want to follow in their shoes. Maybe you want to learn about their mindset. Maybe you want to learn about how they did something. But um, reach yeah. up, reach uh, out higher to uh, improve your life and all the powers in your yeah. hands. Yeah, you make me want to be better too. So, Amen, sister. Well, thank you guys again for listening, and we are about to clock out. Thanks, Colleen.